Praise God. What a powerful time of worship. We're going to continue in that same attitude of receiving, receiving God's grace and mercy. He is so good. What a beautiful season, beautiful day. As we are approaching Easter, it's coming real soon. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Just wanted you to be aware, yeah, it's going to be a great time. And uh, we're going to have a Good Friday service. I believe you're accustomed to having a Good Friday service. We're going to do that, obviously, on Good Friday, which is April 2nd at 7 p.m. And we're going to be doing communion then. So normally we would do it on a Sunday, but we're going to do it on that Friday. What a special time that will be to just take that opportunity on the Friday when our Lord was crucified for our sins, that we will take that Friday and we'll come here, we'll consecrate ourselves before God, we'll receive communion and just uh, worship Him and be encouraged. So keep that in mind. And then, of course, after the service, at a certain point, uh, we're really going to, we'll, we'll, we'll do this in orderly fashion, but we're going to ask you to eventually to leave because we are having our annual church uh, council. Uh, I always remind myself, in the book of Acts, before revival broke out, they had a business meeting. So business meetings are spiritual, and they're important, and we're going to have one of those today after the service. So keep, keep that in mind, and of course, always, if you want to connect online or here, you can pull out a vis uh, connect card, or you could give as well. Online, you can hit the connect button, and then here, you're giving as you leave uh, in the boxes on the way out and just rejoicing what God has provided for us. Well, last week I, I began a series that just called Jesus as we prepare for Easter. And we were going over the realities of Christ coming into Jerusalem and how the people were declaring that this is the Lamb of God. He was chosen, and that was what God had required in Exodus 12, that they had to choose a lamb, and for that week's part, take care of this lamb, and then that lamb would be slaughtered. And Jesus, he fulfilled that, that tradition, he fulfilled that commandment, and the people chose him. And so now we're going to kind of take some of the teachings as, that he was doing throughout the Passover week. But you have to know, at this week, so he entered Jerusalem with being chosen as the Lamb of God. But now he's being challenged. He has been confronted. He's been attacked by the religious leaders. The people began to turn on him. And I think things had begun weighing on him without a doubt. And at this portion of Scripture in Mark chapter 13, and if you have the notes there, you know you'll see this is a Scripture that's found in the other Gospels as well. You have them there to study. We have discussion questions there for, for, for home groups. That's why those questions are there to help you to take it deeper. But as, as Jesus was going through this week, it was, getting, it was getting hard. It was getting tough. And he knows at the end of the week he will be crucified. So keep all of that in mind. But I want to pick up one of his teachings in Mark chapter 13, and this was after another long day of being confronted by the Pharisees, another long day of being confronted by religious leaders where his authority was being challenged. And so in verse 1 of Mark 13, it says, As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. 
Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, what, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to him, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumor, rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. In your Bibles, usually this portion of Scripture has a title called the end times or the signs of the end of the age. And this is a topic that has been studied throughout all of history, that has been talked about, that has been questioned. People have wondered from the very beginning, when will this all end? Will our world end? Is it coming to a close? Is, is this going to last forever? We know Hollywood has made millions and millions and millions of dollars trying to describe in their way of the end of the world, and this is how it's going to happen, and this is what will take place. We know thousands of books have, have been written describing how it's all, how this earth is going to come to a close. And we know when it comes out in the news with natural disasters or when nations come against nations or when you're talking about nuclear warfare, the, the, the conversations begin again. This is going to all come to an end. We need to make preparations. Why do you think our, our nations around the world are spending billions and trillions of dollars going into space? Why are they doing that? Because they know this is all coming to an end. There is a sense in our heart that this will come to a close. And Jesus' disciples... You know, they had some questions. Their, their interest was, was perked when, when Jesus, he made one simple observation. He gave them one glimpse of one event in their future. He said, hey, you see this temple that you adore? This, is, this temple is going to come to an end. Just one piece of information. And, and you know, if you just read these, these verses, you, don't, you, you miss out. That's why we challenge you to study these verses because you know, he was, as he was leaving Jerusalem to get to the Mount of Olives, took a few hours. So as he was making that statement, a few hours took, came to pass. And the disciples, without a doubt, were thinking about this beautiful temple coming to an end. And they had to begin to think, well, <laughs> if this temple's coming to an end, that means we might come to an end. And they began to play all of the scenarios in their mind. And this morning, I hope there's a curiosity inside of you. I hope there's a desire inside of you that says, you know what? Is this world coming to an end? How is this world going to come to an end? What should we be doing if this world is coming to an end? I hope there's something inside of you that says, I want to know. Just like these disciples as they took that trek with Jesus, leaving Jerusalem, going to the Mount of Olives and processing this information. And finally, 
Jesus is sitting there on the Mount of Olives, which is a very important backdrop because the Bible declares that when Jesus returns and establishes kingdom, his foot, his feet will touch the Mount of Olives, making it known to this world, I am here. I'm not here to be crucified. I'm not here to be ridiculed. I'm not here to be challenged. I'm not here to be denied. I'm not here to be rejected. I am here to establish my kingdom. And it's at the Mount of Olives that Jesus will start that. And so it's here in the Mount of Olives that Jesus sits down and his, his disciples come to him and say, okay, Lord, we need, we need some more information here. You just opened up our eyes. You just, you just rocked our world. You just stirred our lives. You, you're tearing up our reality. We thought that this temple that was so mighty and so beautiful was going to be a, a part of our lives. Now you're telling us not one stone will be left upon another, meaning it's totally going to be destroyed. It's totally going to be demolished. It's going to be brought down. You need to tell us, Lord, we need, to be, we need to get ready for this. We need to prepare for this. Tell us more. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want you to seek more of God in your life. I want you to seek for more of Jesus in your life. Because these disciples weren't satisfied with just one glimpse of their future. And I mean, imagine this morning if God were to give you just one glimpse of your future. Just one event. I don't think any of us would say, oh, that's wonderful. Let's just go about our day. I think all of us would be like, Lord, tell me more. I can't sleep now. You, you showed me one, one event. Boy, how is that going to happen? This is where I'm at. You're going to take me there. Give me more. And the disciples, that's what they did. They, they sat there with Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He gave them more. He gave him one of the most famous sermons that he had ever given. It wasn't scripted. It wasn't written. It wasn't planned. He was just sitting there. He wanted to finally relax, finally take it easy, finally set aside all of the worries of the day. But because they were thirsting for more, because they wanted more, because he saw it in their eyes, because he sensed it in their heart, because he could feel it in their spirit, that there was this desire, I, I need to know more Jesus. Jesus said, forget the nap. Forget laying down. I'm going I'm to tell my disciples. Because the Bible declares if you will hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. If you will seek Jesus with all of your heart, you will find him. It's the promise of God that we can have more of God. We can have more of his presence. We can have more knowledge. What you have today is not enough for you to live for tomorrow, but you should be seeking for more of God. And when you seek for more of him, and I'm sure the disciples were tired too, but they said, forget the nap. We're asking Jesus. And they probably knew once we asked Jesus this, well, we're probably not sleeping tonight, but we don't care. We don't care if we go to sleep. I don't care if I, you know, get my rest. I'm going to ask the Lord. And the Lord began to share with them, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you desire God more than anything, not only will your life be, will receive great benefit, but the people around you will be blessed. Today, you and I are going to study just for a moment, hopefully more in your home groups, hopefully more on your own time, but just for a moment, you and I are going to study a whole chapter 
of the end times. And we have this whole chapter because the disciples weren't satisfied with one event. They needed to know more. And now we have more. And so I want to tell you today, there are family members and there are co-workers and there are people in your neighborhoods. They need more of Jesus. They need more of His truth. They need more of His Spirit. And they will experience more when you will seek more. When you come to the Lord and say, God, that sermon today about your word, I need to know more. I want to, get, I want to get ready. Can I tell you this? I want to tell you this. I've never really thought about this, but I've been thinking about this. Because I believe with all of my heart that the next event that we will experience on this earth is the rapture of the church. And I've, been, I've, been, I've never thought about this, but I've been thinking about this. because I, Probably because I have a child, but I begin to think about When that happens, those who have accepted Christ into their life, who have the blood of Jesus applied to their heart, who have made their confession, you have to believe in your heart and you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And so I thought about this, Lord, for those who have not made that confession, those who are rejecting you by their lifestyle, when you come, they will be left And I've been thinking about teenagers. I've been thinking about children. I believe, and I'll say this, I believe that children go to to the Lord. You know, there's, there's a horrible thing that's happening in our country. It's called abortion. It's horrible. It's despicable. And it's something that we need to stand up and say, we believe in life and we won't settle for that. But what I do know, and I don't go, and you know, I'm not going to go out and beat anybody up. I will proclaim truth. But what I do know about that is when that child is aborted, they are in heaven. They are in the presence of the king. So I believe children, before they know right from wrong, will be raptured. But what about teenagers? What about children who do know right from wrong? And God is a merciful God, and I'm not here to tell you, I'm not here to be God. I'm here to declare his word, and I know he's coming back for his church. But I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about parents who are raptured and children who are coming home and saying, where's mom? Where's dad? I mean, the greatest, one of the greatest fears that Tara and I would ever have is Alexandra not being able to find us. And I know Tara had that moment in, in uh, Barnes & Noble's one time. Hasn't happened to me. I keep her close to me. But, but, but Tara had that happen to her. She really did. She turned, and next thing you know it, Alexandra's not there, and, and she's running to the front telling the lady, I don't know where my daughter's at, and, and the next thing you know it, she sees her and she finds her. That's, that's like devastating. You're knowing that your child can't find you. And so I've been thinking about these things and I've been pondering them and I'm saying, Lord, I need, I'm going to seek you. Parents, grandparents, it's time for you to seek the Lord because you have grandchildren that need to know Jesus. You have nephews and nieces that need to know Jesus. And I'm never going to have a nephew or niece or some relative say, why didn't, why didn't Uncle Sid tell me? 
Why didn't he seek more of Jesus? I'm going to seek the Lord. And when I seek the Lord and I receive more of him, the people around me will benefit. Church, let's seek God in these last days. Let's call upon his name like never before. And you will never regret it. You will never be frustrated by it. It will never be a waste of time. God will bless that time. We need to seek for more of Jesus. God, we need you more than ever before. And so here were the disciples. They were asking for more and they received more. But what, why, why were they having this conversation? Well, first of all, we know from what I read to you that the uh, one disciple in particular said, hey, did you see this temple? And again, I encourage you when you're studying God's word, ask questions. Study it. Look around. Look at words. Look at transitions. Because when you... You could just start the story the way I started it in, in the beginning of chapter 12, I mean chapter 13, but if you go back one chapter, you get a little bit more context into what happens. Remember, we opened up with one disciple saying, Lord, look at this beautiful temple, and then Jesus gives one event, and now the disciples want more, and now Jesus is giving them more, and now we have a whole chapter. But to get even more context, if you will go back just one chapter you'll get a little bit even more insight because the question that the disciple asked, you need to understand this right before he asked this question. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus has just finished sharing with the disciples what I would call, he, that he shared with them real power. He shared with them, hey guys, come here. Come over here. You've got to see this. And I'm sure all the disciples were like, oh, okay, let's go. Let's, this is going to be cool. What is he going to do now? What is, is he going to heal somebody? Is he going to set somebody free? Is he going to knock out a Roman? I don't know. What is he going to do? Let's go see. And he's like, come here, come here, come here. And he says, you see that poor widow over there? They're like, oh, okay, where's he going with the poor widow? Maybe she's sick. Maybe he's going to heal her. He said, look at her. That, those pennies that she's putting in the treasury she is actually putting in more than anybody else has done today. And the disciples are, I'm sure, and I hope you would say the same. Well, what do you mean, Lord? She's only put a few pennies. If somebody were to walk out today, and if I were to grab, you know, some of the LC members, hey, look, look at what people are doing. They're, they're putting some change. They'd be like, okay, who cares? It's change. What's, what, what are we going to do with change? Who needs change? But Jesus said, this woman put some change in the, in the giving today. And I want you to know she has given more. Why? Because she gave out of her poverty. She gave out of her need. That's all she had to live on. All she had was pennies. And she took those pennies and she put it into the giving. I want to tell you, everybody else, yeah, they gave 20s, they gave 100s. But they had plenty of money. That was out of, their, out of, the, uh, out of the abundance of their life. That was just a bonus that they had received. That was just, you know, that was pennies to them. And Jesus was saying, did you see what that woman just did? She displayed true power. And I want to tell you this morning that true power will never be displayed in money. True power will never be revealed 
through our muscle or through our intelligence or through our plans or through beautiful man-made structures, but true power is activated when you and I are loving God and living out his word and walking in faith and walking in truth. And when we walk in the Holy Spirit, then we're activating true power. When you are living by faith like this woman who says, I'm supposed to give and this is all I have, I'm going to give it anyways. She's living by faith. You're activating true power. And so it's in that moment Jesus is teaching them this lesson. He's showing them true power. And he's now leaving Jerusalem and all of a sudden, a disciple says, hey, Lord, look at this. This is powerful. Lord, a huge story about the widow, but look at this. This is amazing. How did they do this? And, the, and, our, and, and uh, scholars agree that this temple, Herod's temple, was one of the ancient wonders of the world. It was something to behold. It is something to study. And how they got these enormous stones put on top of another was a marvel. It was amazing. I think more amazing than even what they do today because we have all the technology, we have all the equipment, we have all the history, we have plans. You know, no, no duh, you can go drive down to Chicago and see these magnificent buildings. But back then, how did they pull that off? And it's in that context that his disciples says, Lord, look at this. And Jesus said, almost like you're not getting it. And let me tell you, what you think is powerful. Let me just tell you, because you didn't get it about the widow. So let me tell you about what you, what you think is powerful, what you think is majestic, what really grabs your attention. All of that is temporary, and that's all coming down. Please, today, don't get distracted by this world. Don't get distracted by your world. Keep listening to Jesus. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. I believe we can enjoy them. I'll be the first to enjoy things. I love them. You know, I love vacations. I, I, I love going downtown Chicago. I love taking boat rides and hearing the history of, of these beautiful buildings. I love it all. I enjoy those things, but I never look at those things and think, boy, I'm going to live my life to really maybe have that. I'm going to live my life and make my pursuit those things. Money, wow, okay, it's, money gets you there. Boy, I'm going to work hard and, and do something. I'm going to invest. That's not me and you. If you invest, that's fine. But I'm telling you, I don't because, you know, I wouldn't be good at it probably, but I don't, that's not my pursuit. That's not what grabs my attention. That's not what I'm living for. If God allows me to have those things, absolutely, I'm going to enjoy them. I pray you enjoy those things. But what should really grab our attention, what really wakes us up in the morning, what really motivates us, what really gives us strength, what really should give us joy is serving God and worshiping him and honoring him and being like that widow and giving. Oh, I can't wait to give. I can't wait to serve. I love walking downstairs on a Sunday 
I love seeing kids workers, and some of you are those kids workers. And I love what Pastor Heather does. She has a pretty good rotation, so nobody has to be there every Sunday. I love going down there because I get excited about people who are saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up the privilege of sitting there, enjoying worship, and hopefully enjoying a message. I'm going to watch somebody else's kids. That, that grabs my attention, to be quite honest with you. That gets me excited. The greeters, I, I, as I open my door and I, and, I, and I see the greeters at the door, I get excited about that. That gives me strength. That gives me hope. I love it when guys show up and say, hey, there's too much snow on the roof. We're going to get rid of it. That gets me, that grabs my attention. Let's not get distracted by this world. I do, I, I wanted to share this, this thought with you, and, and I, um, I have one more main thought I wanted to give to you, but let's not get distracted by this world and forget that this world is coming to an end. We can't forget that. If you love anybody on this earth that doesn't know Jesus, you cannot forget that. This world is coming to an end. And without your words and without your heart expressing the gospel, they may miss that rapture. And I know during the tribulation, I also believe, I also would teach that many millions will come to know Jesus. During the tribulation, I believe that. But boy, I sure wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, and I mean that sincerely. I wouldn't wish anybody to be here for that great tribulation. You heard just, just a glimpse. Let, let, me, um, uh, well, let, me give you, let me give you one more point. End times will reveal man's weakness and God's power and love. End times will reveal man's weakness. Let me share from Matthew chapter 24. Let me just give you some more of the end times. Verse 10, this is in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 24, verse 10 says, At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Are we seeing that? Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the, wicked, of, of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Are we seeing that? But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And many scholars and, and theologians would actually say this is actually speaking of the tribulation. Because at the end of the tribulation, there is the end of this world. And I read a Bible that, that if you read the end of the Bible, the end of the story, he removes this earth, and he creates a new heaven, and he creates a new earth. This one's done. This one's been cursed. He removes it. He gets rid of it. So I hope you're not hanging on to it. I'm not. I can enjoy it, but I'm not hanging on to it. And that day is coming. It's coming. It's coming soon. And so one of the things I do want to share with you, and it's not a new thought. Maybe you've had this thought before, or you've had this information I'll share with you uh, this information. Think about this. There has never been a nation on the planet to be conquered, dismantled, spread around the world to then come back to become a nation except one. The nation of Israel. 
The nation of Israel was conquered, and they were exiled around the world. And then they were conquered, then they came back, and they were allowed to come back, and then they were conquered again. And that's what Jesus was sharing with his disciples in A.D. 70. The words of Jesus came to pass, and the Romans demolished that temple, and they came, and they scattered the Israelites again. But in 1948, Israel became a nation again, a recognized nation again. Is that the power of God at work? Yes, that is the power of God at work. Is that a sign of the times of the end of the age? Yes, that is a sign of the times of the end of the age. When Israel comes back together and becomes a nation again, it has been set up and all of this has taken place for the end to come. And I know, and I, you know, I'm still young, born in 75, and many of you can tell me there's been many times, I'm sure, the Cuban cri Missile Crisis, oh, the end is coming. It's going to happen. The Cold War, oh, the end is coming. But when you look at our world today and you read the Bible, those people weren't wrong in thinking that. But when you look at the world today and everything that's there, the technology that's there, the system that's there, what's happening right now all of this is set up for the end of the world. That I know. That I will declare. We cannot get distracted by this world. We can't get distracted by the things that we're worried about. We can't get distracted. The things of this world can't become more important than serving God and loving him and serving him, and telling others about him. Don't get distracted. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back at this time. I want God to, you know, really speak to our hearts and our lives. I, I, I want him to, I hope, as those four disciples whose interest was, you know, they, they were like, okay, God, you, 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 you sparked something in me. I hope God's word has sparked something in you. I hope you want to study this out. I hope you want to be ready. I hope you want to help others to be ready. I hope you're not thinking to yourself, I'm fine. I'm good. I hope everybody else finds Jesus. I hope everybody else finds the Lord. I hope somebody figures it out. I hope you want to see as many people Come to Jesus. Because it's not just about avoiding pain. It's not just about avoiding turmoil. It's not just about avoiding the tribulation. It's about experience the love of a king that loves you, that cares for you, that knows your name, who died on the cross for you. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. It's about receiving his love and receiving hope and to receive all that you would ever need. It's about knowing his presence. That's why I want, I want people to experience his presence. I want them to experience the joy that I have. Would you stand this morning and online, you can worship with you. And I know as we worship him, the presence of God is just going to fill our lives. I want people to experience that. Lord, just stir our hearts, stir our lives, almighty God. Help us, Jesus. We, we, we're going to walk out of this building and we're going to walk away 
uh, physically from our, our believers, uh, our friends that are believers, and this word potentially. And we're going to look at this world and we're going to say, wow, look at that, honey. We need to get a second job so we can have that. Oh, man, look at that. God, we could get distracted. But may our focus be you. May our, our, our desire be to serve you and love you and to serve you. Oh, God, work in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.